Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast, a sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are talking about Troop Beverly Hills because... It's Girl Scout cookie season. And um, you can find Troop Beverly Hills on Amazon Prime. You can rent it or buy it if you really love it. And maybe, depending on our review, you'll you'll maybe want to do that. You can find us on StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. And the links for the show will be there as well as the link for where you can get Girl Scout cookies. So still buying them from your local troop, but they do have a website. If you haven't joined us before, our format is that we rotate every three weeks. We watch a cartoon, and then we watch a live action TV show, and then we watch a movie. So this is our movie week, and we always start with a nostalgic snack. So today's snack, of course, is Girl Scout cookies. I am having Samoas, which were my favorite choice. And what are Samoas exactly? They are crisp cookies with caramel, coconut, and dark chocolatey stripes. And you may or may not be reading that off the box. I am not. I just memorized that that's what they are. Okay. And mine are Toffee-tastic because I am gluten-free and the Girl Scouts, thankfully, offer a gluten-free choice. And what are they? They are rich, buttery cookies with sweet, crunchy toffee bits. And I definitely read that (laughs) off the box. And neither of these, although these are our favorite choices, neither of these were original type choices for the Girl Scouts. Oh, that's interesting. So I do know the Boy Scouts was founded in 1910 as part of like this big scouting movement in the early 1900s. The Girl Scouts founded in 1912. Mm -hmm. They started selling cookies in 1917. And at that point, they were baking them themselves, and it kind of blew up. And and within a very short period of time, they were using commercial bakeries, and then it became a real key component to scouting. By the 1950s, when they were using commercial bakeries and it was become a national cookie thing, they still were only in three flavors at the time. Okay. They were in sandwich. Mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is somewhat like an Oreo. Like possibly. an Oreo, probably, yeah. Shortbread, which I know they still they still sell. Yeah, the Toffee-tastic um, is kind of like a shortbread. Yep. And they, well, they still do Looking a shortbread, too. It okay. just has, it's like the logo of the Girl Scouts. Gotcha. And then the third flavor was mint, which oh. are the Thin Mints right. that they still do. But before, when I could have gluten, the samosas were my favorite. And I was a Girl Scout for a year. I'm going to take a bite of mine. Yeah. So I never sold Girl Scout cookies because I was not a Girl Scout. But I was a Boy Scout for 13 years. I joined the Boy Scouts like at the Weeblos level. Mm. Then I was a Boy Scout until I was 18. And then I switched over and became a leader. Um, I ran a summer camp for Boy Scouts. And it was a Boy Scout leader for a few years. So I was aware of the Girl Scouts as well as their cookies. Uh, Boy Scouts never sold cookies. We, we didn't sell snacks, really. Occasionally popcorn. Candy uh, bars? Not really, no. no. Occasionally popcorn. But really, the Boy Scouts, when I was in, we had these kits where we sold, like, novelty things. Mm, okay. And you, had a, you almost had, like, a sales kit that you'd go around and show people, you know, what your different novelties were. And they'd order them from that. I think it was called Tom Watts. Okay. And they'd order them from the catalog and from the sample you had. And then they came in like six or eight weeks later and you they delivered to the, to like, the person. So what are some of the like novelties? Not novelty candy, obviously. But no, like- they were like, sometimes they would be like kitchen gadgets 
or like little household things. Sometimes there were kind of toys you could buy for like a kid. Hmm. But there, it was a very, it was a mix of a lot of different things. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and they came in. I remember like a like a cardboard suitcase hmm. that you could open up, and it was almost it was almost like a door to door sales traveling salesman yes. with your yeah. little Boy Scout. And uniform. that's how we raised money for summer camp. Yeah, which is kind of what Girl Scout cookies do for girls. Yeah, I was only in Girl Scouts for a year, and I'm not sure why. I really do like camping. I like being outdoors. I'm not quite sure why I didn't do it. It could be. I had a lot of other interests as a kid. And as a child, I was, I know for a fact I was in brownies. So brownies is for like second and third graders. My guess is that it was somewhere in that year. And I remember they had a fashion show of all the different uniforms. And I remember looking at it and being like, this might not be for me. (laughs) Which is somewhat in the movie, which we'll get into. But the idea that you're going to be in a uniform with patches and stuff. And I was just more of like a very whimsical, creative, flighty child. (laughs) I don't know that that would have appealed to me. But we didn't do the full summer camp, but we did go to an overnight camp. And in my hometown of Lockport, that camp is still there. It is still a Girl Scout camp, and they um, still do great things. It's Windy Meadows. They just got a new building, the old building. Um, they said was always supposed to be temporary, and it lasted, like, into the 2000s. <laughs> and I'm like, that's probably the one I remember, because it was very rustic. Right. <laughs> bunk, very rustic bunk beds. And I remember that my mom came as a chaperone, so we weren't old enough for them to just like leave us there um, with camp counselors or anything. It was a lot of fun. And um, I do remember that year selling some Girl Scout cookies. But tell me about your cookie. You just took a bite of it. Yes, no. I like it. I like Samoa's a lot. They're really, it's really tasty. I like caramel. I like chocolate. So, and coconut is a really good aspect to it as well. So I really like it. How's yours? It's, it's okay. It's, I mean, look, the problem is this is no fault of the Girl Scouts, I'm sure. It's just, it's a gluten-free cookie. So we're talking about rice flour, I'm guessing. Yes. Rice flour, tapioca starch. But it has toffee. It has, the toffee bits are good, um, but it's, um, (laughs) yeah, gluten-free is hard to get right. They do okay. I'm probably going to eat the rest of it eventually, you know, but I, I'm not... I do remember these being bigger. I think they may have shrunk. I feel like Girl Scout cookies were bigger earlier, too, and maybe they've gotten a little smaller for packaging. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, it's funny you mentioned that the Girl Scouts really was kind of maybe not your thing because of the, your creativity and kind of the way you are. And the Boy Scouts were kind of paramilitaristic yeah. in the way that they had patrols and then the troop, and there was kid leaders, and you had your uniforms. And where that actually came to play is later when I joined the military and went to Army, it was a much easier transition. Right. You know, especially when we went like on what they call bivouac, which is when you basically go out in the wilderness and stay out there for two weeks. A lot of people struggled with that. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is like Boy Scouts with guns. Like my Boy Scout troop camped out like at least once a month. Yeah. So this was no big deal for me. And I really, I really blended well, I think, into the military. I think it was like that for the Girl Scouts to a certain extent. I just think, it, look, I will say this, that the camps right now for Girl Scouts to, I know that they're having like some problems with numbers, right? Both the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. 
But they really do, they teach archery, swimming. Some of the camps, I think, might even have horseback riding. They do wilderness skills. Like, they're known more for the cookies, but they really do teach wilderness skills. And they have um, rock climbing and all of that. Mm -hmm. I just... It probably, my guess is that at that age, I was like, or I could read a book at home. (laughs) Now, later, I ended up being a camp counselor. I I went to a number of different camps, one academic camp that had other stuff outside. Yeah, I was that kind of a nerd. (laughs) But the the other outdoor camp was a Christian camp, and I loved it there. I ended up working there several summers in a row and, and that kind of thing. So I think if I had stuck with it, I probably would have really enjoyed the Girl Scouts. Do you think that they're struggling now because they're having to compete with the video game culture, the internet, as well as a lot more ramped up sports kind of things? Partially, but I also think that if you're going to go camping, a lot of times you go camping as a family. And if you want that outdoor experience for some people if they can afford it they're gonna go to like a nicer camp right like that's the camp that i worked at had that same problem because it was still kind of rustic and now there is another group that bought it Mm -hmm. and they're trying to revamp it and stuff like that but it's the i think it's a very similar problem so yeah it's um it's sad in some ways but it just kind of shows the change in culture i mean before the big scouting movement you wouldn't have needed wilderness skills because you're it's well, you your, your daily home. life yes. your da- yep. if you you know like little house on the prairie you're just yeah. out it, it's feeding in, the cows and that, trying that, to survive you know 1910 is the boy scouts and to be honest the boy scouts of america was 1910 but they were spurred off the boy scouts that started in london mm. which was okay. even earlier and actually in my troop i was in troop one which historically came from the original, the first troop oh, in the U.S. States. That's awesome. Right now, Troop One is left. It's in Balsam Spa, New York, and so there's a lot of history to that. But I think that it's interesting that it started around the turn of the century, right? Not long, really, after the Industrial Revolution, right? Where people moved into cities, people were doing industrial work, and there was a move away from rustic. So now there was a need to teach kids. That that was different, so it was a special thing for kids where they weren't seeing it every day. Yeah, that's true. It's really, it is interesting because I do think, you know, we're looking back at pop culture, but pop culture is a reflection of the, the real culture, right? Mm-hmm. The culture of our, um, of our time. And this is something that culturally really has changed. I don't know, if you go in, like, I teach in a, at a community college. If I went in and said, how many of you were scouts? I might get one, maybe. There's definitely, it's not like it used to be. But when I look back at pop culture, that's part of what I think of in the 80s and 90s. You know, not only being a scout, but things like I got Boys Life magazine every month. Right. Right. That came as being a Boy Scout. Part of my dues, you got a subscription of Boys Life. Yeah. And that, the covers of Boys Life, the article, that's something that sticks out to me as part of the culture of the time. I don't want to jump ahead to the movie yet right. until after we, after we do our summary and our snack review. But they sing Kumbaya a bunch of times. Yeah. And those songs, that is something I do remember. I remember like Little Bunny Foo-Foo and I remember like there's Girl Scout songs, like camp right. songs, right? And again, that's kind of part of my childhood. So let's so, get down to brass tacks for Girl I Scout think cookies. We're gonna vote on this on patches. Yes. So for out our of merit badges. Merit badges. Five out of five merit badges, what are you giving Girl Scout cookies? Okay. So we give our snack one out of five and then we do the movie one out of ten. Yes. So for merit badges, mm, I think a three. It's okay. 
gluten-free cookies are hard to do for me. I, I would eat it again. The toffee bits are a little uh, too much for my teeth, and it's a little bit crumbly, but it's good. Well, I mine like is dark chocolate, coconut, and caramel. You can't go wrong with that. And Come not gluten-free, so that gets a five. <laughs> yeah, I would guess. <laughs> I would guess. And if I could enjoy a samosa one more time, I wish that they would do a gluten-free version of the samosa. Like, just make the same cookie but gluten-free. That's always my, my hope and dream. So, on average, four out of five for the Girl Scout cookies. But look, half the money goes directly to the troop. A lot of it goes, uh, some of it goes to the people that produce the cookies, but a lot of it goes to the local troop and then also the region for wherever their camp is. So definitely support your Girl Scout cookies and check out that link on our website. So let's get into Troop Beverly Hills is the Wilderness Girls. It's pretty clear that it's supposed to be the Girl Scouts, but apparently the Girl Scouts did not care for the movie um, when they read the screenplay and would not allow their name to be attached to it. But let's get into the full summary and then we'll do a, a little bit of history and fun facts about the movie. Okay. So, in the middle of her divorce, Beverly Hills housewife Phyllis Neffler decides that she wants to prove that she can stick with something, because she apparently has a habit of jumping from cause to cause, as well as kind of give herself a little bit of a self-esteem boost. So, she decides to be the leader of the Wilderness Girls Troop which is kind of like your Girl Scouts, but it's the Wilderness Girls in this movie. And it's her daughter's troop, so she takes over the troop in Beverly Hills. Unfortunately, she's ill-equipped to do that. She basically shops all the time. She knows how to be a very rich Beverly Hills wife, but she doesn't have a lot of other skills. But to be fair, the girls are kind of the same. Oh yeah, she becomes the head of a troop of girls that are all kind of spoiled rich girls. And so, like, her idea of wilderness girls' activities are, like, going to the jewelry store to look at gems. <laughs> or their first camp out, they end up ditching the wilderness and all staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Or they are doing designer runways with new uniforms that they had made because the old ones just look too passe. Um, while this starts to work at the beginning and she does start to build a little bit of camaraderie with the girls, we do run into an antagonist and a, and a rival troop leader and kind of like the district leader of the Wilderness Girls who does not think that she's doing a great job and also kind of nixes all of her patches and says all the stuff the girls have been doing are not Wilderness Girls type, type stuff. And so the only way that they can really prove that they're a troop that should stick around is to win this Wilderness Girls Girl jamboree event and so they end up overcoming trials and tribulations during this weekend long event where they have to track like 20 miles a day camp over two nights and then be the first troop to cross the finish line at the end of this jamboree event and also before that selling cookies Selling I cookies was one of the things that they the got things, into. Yeah. yeah, they had to sell cookies and, and getting merit like badges. Yeah, yeah, getting merit badges. And so through it all, they all they kind of play off one another. They teach each other things. She does grow with the girls. And then at the end, they're able to overcome the trials and tribulations of the other troops as well as this rival troop leader. And the wilderness. And the wilderness, yep. And not only that, but they actually slow down their chance of winning the race by stopping to help the rival troop leader who has broken her ankle and her troop who she's raised to be cutthroat left her behind yeah, so the, they could win the infamous red feathers. the red feathers and so they have the choice of trying to beat the red feathers the finish line 
or stopping to help this woman who's been nothing but a thorn in their side. And Shelley Long's character, Phyllis Neffler, basically teaches the girls, like, listen, we're gonna, we've done it the right way. We're going to stick to it and do what, you know, she is a wilderness girl and we took an oath. And so they make a stretcher out of their bags and they cross the finish line second, but carrying this other troop leader. And the facts were the rules were that the first troop to cross the finish line with all their members and their troop leader. So even though the Red Feathers were cutthroat and left their leader behind and crossed first, it doesn't count because they didn't have their leader with them. And so doing the right thing pays off. um, And they displayed the true wilderness girl spirit by helping another person. And so they win in the end. But not only that, she proves that she can be more than just like a materialistic Beverly Hills wife um, and in the process kind of wins her husband back. And so the family ends up getting back together as well as she has this new family of wilderness girls in their parents. Yeah, and all of the girls have a happy ending and then yeah. everybody claps. Of course. <laughs> of course. Because it's the 80s. Because it's the 80s. Um, yeah, so some interesting history about this movie it was inspired actually the the woman who produced it ava ostern she had a husband who was also a producer and she ran a theater center and she was the the troop leader for beverly hills for the girl scouts and they actually did one of the scenes that steve just talked about there they were camping out behind the hollywood side which i don't think you're allowed to do now but you were at that point and it was it started raining and they decided to pack up and they went to the Beverly Hills Hotel. So she's telling this story like at cocktail parties and other things that, about what her troop did and somebody said you should make this a movie. So the story was basically by her the original story and she helped to produce the movie they brought in two writers one of whom wrote for designing women later on which you see a little bit of like sort of feminist stuff in this film Mm -hmm. um and she also wrote for saturday night live which you can kind of tell i think in some scenes as well so yeah it's kind of so it was kind of inspired by her experiences. The other thing I think is interesting is there are a number of young actresses in this, all of these girls, and many of them went on to do lots of stuff, mm-hmm. either just in the 80s or, um, and some of them then left acting. Um, but Kelly Martin is plays Emily, a girl whose father is kind of out of luck as an actor. She went on to do Life Goes On. And Christy and ER, and um, another girl was in Small Wonder, another 80s show we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. There's a girl, the girl who plays Claire. She was in later on Punky Brewster. My point is that there are all of these girls that I'm like, oh my gosh, I recognize her. Oh my gosh, I recognize her. Jenny, who plays Shelley Long's daughter, Hannah. She was also in The Wizard, that movie with Fred Savage. And yep. I feel like she was everywhere in the 80s, but she really, she she left to do music and she has this great music career. Um, but yeah, we have Tori Spelling a yep. year before 90210 in a very minor role, but still there. And um, the girl who plays Chica goes on to be in the Justice League and in The Watchmen. Um and then you have Shelley Long, who is off of Cheers for just a, a year or two. She did Hello Again, and she did oh, the mo- this movie with Tom Hanks about the Burbs. 
No, not the burbs. It's this one where the money pit, the money house pit, always yes. needs repairs, which now having owned a house, I feel like if we watched that one, I would appreciate it more. But yeah, there are all these great, great actresses, many of whom went on to do other things. So it's quite interesting to me. Um, yeah, so those are some some of the some of the fun facts. We have this very large ensemble cast, but Shelley Long and Craig T. Nelson plays her husband. She's kind of the star of the show. Mm-hmm. And it did not do well um, in terms of critical reviews. I think what's interesting, the Rotten Tomatoes score on this is a 14%. The <laughs> audience score is a 62%. So that's the thing that this movie has kind of like it became kind of a cult classic. And I think especially for girls my age, this is a movie that like we really remembered and loved and and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk about it. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about our memories of the film and then we'll do our full review and recap. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now back to the show. Okay, we're back once again. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. And we are talking about Troop Beverly Hills. So, Steve, do you remember this movie? Not really. (laughs) Okay. Did you... Did you ever see it before? Have you seen it before today? I may have seen it on cable or something before. I feel like I've seen pieces of it at least. Um, I don't recall a lot of it. It's one of those things like on TBS when we had cable that would be on and you might get bits of it. It is, yeah. I feel like there's been similar movies and I was kind of getting mixed up a little bit. This was probably the first, and there was probably some in the 90s, early 2000s that were made a little bit like, like it. Like about the Scouts? Or like groups like it, you know, yeah. where there was wilderness groups or camp over groups and things. And they're always, you know, the you have a group of, of uh, probably a parent and a group of kids who, you know, shouldn't be good at it, and they come to learn. You know, so I the trope kind of connects with yeah there's like camp nowhere and heavyweights and yeah um, things like that 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 come later although heavyweights i think it's about a fat camp but i thought that that might be the case this is the movie i probably saw this movie 20 times as a kid maybe more oh wow um i did not we didn't own a copy i definitely rented it from blockbuster a couple times myself and it was like the movie we would watch at slumber parties all the time because the everything here appeals to a like a 10 11 12 year old girl this was surprisingly i think this might be the first thing we've talked about where i'm like i was allowed to watch this at the time it came out (laughs) Um, but it had um 
it had the fashion, it had the campiness, it had the corny um, musical numbers, mm. and it's just a group of girls. I mean, there is, Craig T. Nelson is really the only male character, yeah, except for the hot cop in one scene. And Cheech Marin. <laughs> and Cheech Marin and Ted, and Robin Leach. But right. those are like very minor cameos. That's the other thing. It had a lot of celebrity cameos, but it's just over the top. It, to, for well, me, it was like over the top fantasy fun. And you would have been 10 it. when it came out. Yes, perfect. Right, so it would have been a perfect age for you. Surprised you were allowed to watch it because while it is like a campy family thing, there's some words like bimbo, boob job, boffing yeah. are all used. The B words, apparently. The B words. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't, I wouldn't have seen it in theaters. Definitely not. And I it definitely. Would have been a few years later renting it. Yeah, I definitely saw it at somebody's house first. So this would not have been a, a movie that my parents would have, um, yeah, would have picked for me to watch for sure. Especially not if they watched the whole thing. <laughs> I don't think that they would have appreciated that. But um, yeah, so those are some of my memories of it. But let's get into our full review because I have to say, I, I've seen it a number of times enough that some of the scenes were very distinct that I did remember, but there's a lot here that I didn't. Mm. Um, a lot of the nuanced stuff, and watching it as an adult, there's some stuff that kind of is horrifying um, to me. So what are some of... Um, so we have this... First of all, we have a very long opening sequence. Mm -hmm. And it's all cartoon. I really liked the cartoon style. It's very fun, and it brings you... But it basically tells the whole story before mm -hmm. the movie starts. It reminds me a lot of the beginning of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, I was going to say Grease. And The Parent Trap. The original one has a, has a long cartoon thing where basically it tells you the story. Yes. So that kind of brings us into it. And then, yeah, so then we're introduced to Phyllis. And we have this montage where it clips back and forth between whole council is trying to decide whether she should be allowed to be a troop leader and they're reading her qualifications and then it's cutting to her basically mm -hmm. shopping in Beverly Hills. Yeah. To me, this sequence sets up the fantasy of the movie that we're in this kind of other world that it's mm -hmm. aspirational for little kids that like watching Richie Rich or something maybe right. for boys, right? Okay, two things off the bat that I noticed in this opening that she's talking to Craig T. Nelson. They're having this argument about their divorce, whether or not he can come in. There does still seem to be some sexual tension between them. He's almost flirting with her as he tries to get up the stairs, but it's very clear that this is a difficult divorce. Right. Then they keep arguing and their daughter is right there. Yes. And they're arguing in front of their daughter while she's trying to do gymnastics practice, which, by the way, she has a full gym in their house, yes. <laughs> complete with a balance beam. And it's two stories, basically, or one and a half. Yeah. Um, but they're arguing in front of their daughter. And this is a theme that I did not pick up as a kid that I do as an adult of like the kids are the adults and the kids are parenting their parents. So jenny lewis who plays hannah is like come on you guys and she's like acting like the peacemaker and trying to get them to stop arguing and later on we have a scene where phyllis sees him with the bimbo right the real estate agent with lisa the real estate agent and she wakes her daughter up 
and is like, who is that? And how come she's with your father at, at midnight? And Lisa's like, brown hair, big boobs. And Phyllis is like, stringy hair and silicon boobs. Yeah. <laughs> but she's waking her daughter up at midnight to spy on her father. It's very, it's very toxic. And I don't know... This is a theme through a lot of 80s movies of like class differences and the very wealthy, extravagant lifestyles. And then sometimes you would see that in contrast with the poor, which we don't exactly get here. But I don't know how real it is to life. Well, at the time, I feel like it was sort of real. Yeah. Right. This was the. This is. It's great because we did Who Framed Roger Rabbit a few weeks ago, and you had the heyday of the movie industry mm-hmm. in California. Right here, you've got the late '80s. There was economic boom. California's Rodeo Drive. It's you, Pretty Woman. It's it's kind of nostalgic looking at it now, where people thought of gold going to L.A., the city of angels. Right, and right. there's all this richness and 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 really, it's. It's over-excessiveness, right? You talk about the fact she has a whole gym. The clothes are over the top, right? Yeah, Everything driving is driving a Rolls Royce. For yes. sure. And you do see when you... Then they introduce the girls, and we have different types that would have lived in Beverly Hills at the time. So we have the girl who's a dictator's daughter. Yes. We have the girl who's the... Um, her father was a famous boxer, so he's yep. like a sports hero. We have a girl who's an out-of-work actor's daughter. We have another one whose father is a producer. Another one whose mom is a romance novelist. And she herself is a child star. Yes. Right? So it's kind of interesting. But I do think in terms of the divorce stuff, you know, we live right now, and I know some people hate this phrase, but... I think that people are more, they they attempt to do conscious uncoupling, right? Mm-hmm. That, that Gwyneth Paltrow phrase that she used. Yeah. But when they get divorced, they really do. We were talking about somebody today who's really trying to co-parent. Mm-hmm. And here, it's very clear he's living in the pool house. And he really has almost no contact with his daughter at all. Right. Until later when he starts feeling guilty because Phyllis is spending so much time with their daughter yes. and doing things. And then he says, I think I might want um, joint, joint custody. custody. But that's still, even that's a different concept. And I know that people who go through divorce probably do have this. But I just feel like, I feel like people who are our age, especially people who went through that with parents who got divorced, are a lot more conscious about not arguing in front of their kids or not trying to down talk because that's still their dad. Yeah. That's still their mom. And we don't get that here for sure. Now it's played up for comedy, for comedic purposes. Mm-hmm. But to me it was a little bit a little bit troubling. The daughter acts so much like an adult. Well, I, th- I think it was an interesting choice to write the script this way with the divorce being one like a side issue. Because it does act as an, another challenge to Shelley Long or to Phyllis Neff, Neffler, as her character is called, right? Mm-hmm. So it acts as another challenge she or hurdle she has to overcome amidst all this other stuff. But it also kind of helps make the daughter a sympathetic character. Definitely. Which is helpful because I'm going to be honest, the daughter's not the strongest actress. When I think of the group of kids, there's other girls in that group that stand out above the daughter. I think she just didn't have as much to do. That was one of my... I'm not criticizing her. I'm just saying there were other girls that jumped out personality-wise over the daughter. And that helped connect the viewer to the daughter because you're like, oh, especially if you were in a family going through divorce, you could sympathize with that. Yeah, that's definitely true. And honestly, you can kind of... I mean, Jenny Lewis has had this really 
she's a really cool rock star. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. She's an awesome, really cool rock star if you check out her stuff. Um, I'll link one of her videos on our blog so you can see what I'm talking about. She does one where she kind of makes fun of being in this movie. But you're definitely right. I don't think they gave her enough to do. And honestly, I felt throughout the movie that they didn't really give the the girls as a whole that much to do. You see them here and there, but this is really the Shelley Long show. It is. Yeah. And there's references that I did that I did kind of like. I thought there was very 80s references, like when she's arguing with Craig T. Nelson and he's talking about all the stuff that she's quit before, right? He mentions things like the Save PTA. the Whales. Yeah. Right? PTA is still something that goes on, but Save the Whales was very 80s, And Hands right? Across Hands America. Across America was very 80s, right? And so those things just kind of were a little nostalgic to me and I was like oh yeah I remember that yeah and we have those kind of references and tons of cameos you can tell that the person whose idea this was was a Beverly Hills wife because she she definitely pulled on her connections to get all of these cameos we have Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon run by um at one point just jogging Yes. In Beverly Hills. We have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar answering the door to buy cookies. Mm-hmm. We have um, Pia Zadora. <laughs> By the way, I as a kid knew none of these people. And Pia, her name is Pia Zadora. I tried to figure out who this was for years because it was pre-internet. That's yeah. how old we're talking about, right? But pre-internet, I had no idea. Because I heard it like... Pizadora. Right. I was like, well, that's an interesting name. She looks pretty. I wonder what she does. Dr. Joyce Brothers is yes. part of a fashion show. Um, and then at a party later, we have Ted McGinley, who's like in every 80s show. Uh, Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong. It's just, it, it really is like this star-studded event. And you feel, in some ways, you feel like you're in Beverly Hills. And with the costumes... I meant to mention this before. It kind of reminded me of Clueless, where you have like all of these ridiculous outfits. Yeah, the outfits were over the top. And and Shelley Long, it's not just in scenes. They do cutaways for like 30 seconds where she's in a totally different outfit. Yes. Right. Somebody calls her on the phone and she's fake trimming these pear trees. And she's like, oh, I broke a nail. And I'm like, we have not seen that outfit. And we don't see it again. Yeah. Um, And they're huge hats. One time she's wearing this peplum that looks like two Pringles chips put together. At the party she has on what I can... Yeah, I said that that was a ridiculous dress and I drew a picture. (laughs) Steve drew a picture and it looks like a woman with a taco on the of her dress. And she has some high contrast stuff early on so they do kind of try to show the evolution of her character through fashion she's wearing like yellow red black early on when she has um she softens up she starts wearing purple she starts wearing pink when she's going through a low point she has um gray and black Mm -hmm. like very the frumpiest dress that she wears now if i were it it would be like the fanciest dress that i have (laughs) but here is really frumpy so that's kind of interesting to me too the way that they played with fashion through the whole thing but at any rate you have this scene of them arguing by the way, and I should, uh, uh, now I sh- maybe I shouldn't, I might cut this part, but it did remind me of Betty Broderick's story because Betty Broderick, very famously around this time, was a Beverly Hills wife and mother who had put her husband through law school and medical school. And then he left her for a younger woman and then she 
um, was obsessed with him and stalked him, basically. And so then, she opened her own troop of Girl Scouts. <laughs> no, she well, she murdered her husband. Oh, that, that took a wrong turn. That's <laughs> she, not where we are. They did a Lifetime movie about it, but it is... The, it, the movie could have gone a totally different direction with that same setup. And it did remind me, like... Yeah, in some ways, this is how people are living, that they're they're very wealthy and they're having these huge, huge divorce settlements at this point in time, too, because of all the wealth in that area. Well, she mentions that she clipped coupons while he was in law school. Right, which yes. kind of reminded me of it. But at any rate, then we, we move on from them and we see the girls and they become, they, they're very suspicious at first that she'll just leave them like every other troop leader. And then... We, she goes to the meeting of all the Girl Scout leaders and we meet our antagonist. I, I, I feel like the antagonist is good. She's militaristic. She's pushy. She wants to, she wants the wilderness girls to be combative and competitive and to basically win at all costs by stepping over people. But we see that there's a few older women on the council who are not that way. The interesting thing about Velda that I didn't pick up before is that she's a widow and she's a former army nurse. They mention that. Yes. And so then you kind of say, okay, so she hates that this group is rich. And it's interesting. The setup is a little bit like Animal House where you have one group that's very militaristic and one group that's very like imaginative, creative. Yes. And and it's not counterculture, but it's interesting too that the wealthy people are the outcasts. Yeah, so then we have um, to move along a little bit. They go through all of these things to win some merit badges. Right. But of course, they have no skills for normal merit badges. So Shelley Long gets kind of creative in <laughs> how the merit own. badges are. Well, some of them it makes her own, but others like um, I think grooming, like grooming or something. But she takes them to the salon, right? Right. Instead yes. of like learning grooming, you know, or braiding style. or something. These are some. This is the sequence that I really remembered from this film. I love the dances. She's teaching them. The, one of the merit badges is for dance, and it's implied that it, you should be like learning the waltz. Right. <laughs> and instead, she teaches them all of the novelty dances, the pony, the mashed potato, and of course, the Freddy, yes. which just looks so ridiculous. But then they go to the home for elderly people. They and go they to the nursing home. They do those dances to help the older people. Yeah, yes. and they and they have this really sweet sequence where they're passing out magazines now there's a little off-color joke there mm -hmm. um, with some of the magazines they pass they're out they're playing badminton with some of the older people they're doing dancing with yes. some of the older people and yeah. it's really it's really cute and really sweet now one of the wheelchairs starts going down the hill as they're yeah. dancing but it's this really sweet sequence and you can see that these girls at their heart like they're really just want to be friends. They want to be kind to each other. They want to be more like normal girls. And this is probably the first time they've given back. So it's kind of a turning point uh, mm -hmm. in the movie when they start. And then they go to the jewelry store and appraise diamonds. Yes. <laughs> so you have a little bit of you have a little bit of both the cut, the color, the clarity, all of that. And then um, after they kind of overcome all of that, they have a. Um, a ceremony where they get all the patches, and then we have the selling of the cookies. Right, and of course, they go out to sell cookies in their neighborhood in Beverly Hills and find that everyone's bought cookies already because they're, this, this Velma woman, the antagonist, her daughter's troop, 
came into that neighborhood and yes. sold to people that weren't from their area. And her daughter is even more militaristic than she is. Yes. She's got this very, like, powerful, like, let's go do it! And Tori Spelling is, like, her second-in-command yes. with these braids. Yeah, right off of uh, Saved by the Bell, yes. Tori Spelling, and right before 90210. So they decide instead to have events. Because right. what else do people in Beverly Hills do right. but have wonderful, luxurious, yep. lavish events? Events to s- and sell cookies because which yeah. is actually kind of a way of not giving up because they really couldn't have gone door to door traditionally because they had basically this other troop kind of scalped their stuff right they jumped in and took over really areas that weren't theirs to begin with yeah it's kind of like when you um it's halloween and kids from a different neighborhood come in and like and get all the, the candy they get the all the candy yes. from the neighborhood before you get there, and then you get like an apple and a pack right. of raisins, that kind of thing. So I will say this: on the one hand, they have this corny like they put out a concert. Um, the one girl. So this is a point we have not talked about. There's a lot of racist stuff in this movie. We have the Hispanic maid, and she has no, really no lines, maybe one line, but she's just there to be a maid. We have another person who's a gardener who also might be Hispanic. We have, at one point, they put on a Native American headdress and have a, a teepee in the living room. Mm-hmm. And so it's this very strange, but this is, again, not... Not unlike a lot of stuff from this time period that they're sort of, they're like, but we we have diversity. Well, no, you have one African-American girl in the troupe and they put her in a wig that looks like Tina Turner's hair. Yeah, during one of the events. So it's, and and also they, but they do show too that her father gets pulled over in a wealthy neighborhood and it's implied that the cop is kind of making up the reason for pulling him over. So we do have kind of acknowledgement, but there's, there's no real acknowledgement of diversity. There's no real acknowledgement of other incomes. But again, this is kind of, it's a fantasy movie, but it's a specific type of fantasy movie. And I just wanted to say that, yeah, as an adult, those were some things I noticed. Um, but we have this beautiful fashion show. Yes. <laughs> the concert, the fashion show, all of these extravagant What well, looks like maybe events. a brunch of some kind. Yeah, some kind of a brunch. Yep. And they end up selling... 4,000 boxes of cookies or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and setting the, a record. the bigger troop had ordered 1,000. Yes. They ordered 2,000. They ended up selling 4,700, 4, yeah. I think 38, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then we get to the big jamboree. Right. Now, did you go to a jamboree? I'm, I'm guessing we, you did, right? We went to camperees. Okay. Which were, it's it was kind of like. The local. We, we would do a, a spring and a fall camperee, um, which were a whole weekend. Yeah. They weren't really like this. It was pretty much there were activities and things like that, but you camped with your troop and there was the thing was is every month when my troop would go camping, we went just with ourselves. Mm-hmm. During the camperees, you were there with like 30 other troops. So you could like go and visit with other you know kids yeah. from other towns, from other troops. Yeah. You didn't so, have to walk 20 miles? No, we did not. <laughs> Which by the way is uh, the first half of the race is 20 right. miles. And I, when I said at this point I paused the movie and I looked at Steve and I was like so they like have never worked out and they're also they're also 10 years old and they're yeah. about to basically do a marathon in two days yeah they're doing a march that they don't do in the military yeah like it was yeah it was kind of again, it's a little bit it, over the top, the top yeah but um but i think it's interesting the different ways they show that it's not so much 
I mean, they're still afraid of like, there's a skunk, there's a water snake. Right. But they're really showing by this point the teamwork. And we've seen these girls help each other through other problems. Like we have Chica, whose parents forget her birthday because they're in Monte Carlo. Yes. We have Emily, whose dad couldn't afford the $7.50 for the patch fee or Mm -hmm. the $10 for the group uh, donations every week. And um, and they find her dad a job. They have a little birthday party for Chica. Yep. All of these, and they've they've worked together to put on these events, right? Mm-hmm. So it is it is teamwork, and that's really what this the Girl Scouts or here the Wilderness Girls. Yeah. That's what it's about. And they work together to help save Velma, who broke her ankle. Yeah, exactly. And and to they, to carry her out, to carry her out, mm-hmm. and that and then in the end, that of course is rewarded, even though they don't get the trophy. Right. Right. <laughs> And Velma, um, we forgot to mention, too, that Velma had sent a spy in Annie Herman. And she keeps threatening Annie that she's going to have to go back to Kmart. Which I'm like, is your troop leader, like, is that your full-time job? You're getting Apparently paid? Apparently they were getting paid for it. <laughs> but Annie is so low-key funny in a different type of comedy that she is this meek and mild girl. And then um, at, when they have this banquet... After selling the cookies, they celebrate. Mm-hmm. They have a banquet, and Annie comes out in this dress, and she just looks adorable. She's such a nice little addition to the movie to have like a different type of comedy and a different type of personality yeah. in there. And she's won over by Troop Beverly Hills and by Shelley Long. And it's interesting because she's she's not won over by the fact that they have all this money in this extravagance. She's won over when the other team cheats with the cookies, and these guys don't. Yeah, and that they're kind to her yes. because Velma isn't. She just screams at her all the time, right. right? She wanted her to be a spy. And she's another person where you have all these people who are, for different reasons, outcasts, and they all come together. And then at the end, of course, uh, Craig T. Nelson tells Shelley Long that just wants to get back together, yeah. be a family again. Yes. <laughs> We're going to forget his whole affair with Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> Who, at one point, he says, you're too young to understand this, but she'll always be my wife. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a midlife crisis. All guys, all men go through that. I don't care for that. No. I don't like your attitude right now or your tone. And you're saying it on the podcast, which I especially don't like. Don't write into Steve privately. I don't like, or no. me either, by the way. No, we're just teasing. So, yeah, he 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 gets over his midlife crisis. And, and also... To be fair, he said to her, you know, she says, is there someone else at the beginning? And he says, someone who was kinder and softer and nicer and cared about other people and not just material things and shopping. And that's what she learned to do. And she did. She does it through the whole thing her way. She changes the uniform. She takes them to places that they all like. Yeah. Right? The salon and the jewelry store and all of that. But they do it their own way. And so, yeah, there are, I think, some kind of, you know, for this time and for this kind of a movie, sort of feminist themes kind of in the background of this fantasy movie. So do you have any other highlights you want to hit or lowlights? No, I think I'm ready for my rating. (laughs) Okay. So, we rated the snack 1 to 5. We're going to rate the movie 1 to 10. Merit badges. Merit badges for today. Yeah, that's our scale Mm -hmm. for today. So, Steve, what is your rating for this movie? Uh, Taking everything into account, I'm going to give Troop Beverly Hills a high 3. No! 3 merit badges. No! Why are you giving it a 3? 
it was predictable. It was kind of campy. It, there were certain pieces of it that just, I don't know, just didn't grab me. I, and, yeah, I three is what I can get. This it. is the first time we're super far apart because other times we've been like one off or two off, but I was I'm my rating here is a 7. Oh my goodness. I really like this. We have You must um, have been paid off by someone in Beverly. <laughs> no, I was not. I think now obviously is some of that nostalgia brain. Yes. But we um we now have it on our TV and would I go and stream it again? A hundred percent. I would watch this again. <laughs> I had such, it's such a fun time. I mean, look, it has some some difficulties. There is that parentification I was talking about where the kids are parenting their adults, right? Um, we have like many different examples of that hannah is one of them but there's other people who are kind of like the one girl with the mom writing the romance novels yeah. gives her some very some very graphic some lines. very graphic lines the other and, girl whose dad's a director is kind of helping him schedule things yeah yeah we have all of that going on and there is you know it's a product of its time in terms of it's not a woke movie i'll put it that way but it's a fantasy. I love the fashion. I didn't hate the musical numbers. It's just, it's all good fun. And I would have a bowl of popcorn and watch it again. I really would. <laughs> you would do it by yourself in the dark. <laughs> oh, no. Where all things shameful happen. So, look. We, <laughs> we know. We average this out. Steve gave it a three. Megan gave it a seven. So, we are giving it an average of five merit badges. And that is very generous. That's not bad. I should get a generosity merit badge for that. <laughs> Listen, I will say, I didn't ruin my childhood this time. We watched Strawberry Shortcake not that long ago, and I gave that a three because it I was... I gave that better than It was that. so disappointing to me, but this movie did not disappoint. I, it's not well acted, but for me, the nostalgia of it, I just love it I would much. watch Strawberry Shortcake every day of the week. <laughs> no, you would Over not. Troop Beverly Hills. I'm going to wake you up tomorrow with life's a sunny morning when your alarm goes off and then you tell me how much you like strawberry shortcake <laughs> i would i would welcome it over the beach boys anthem in, in true beverly Hills. yeah we forgot to mention that yeah you can make it big so big big so big big so big over and over and yes. over again um beverly hills what a thrill five merit badges for this movie, you can find it again on Amazon Prime that is uh, available for rent if you want to give it a three like Steve or to buy it if you want to give it a seven like Megan. I would find it for free if I were you. But definitely watch along with us. Visit our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. We have the blog where you can watch along. We also have links for the snacks. Um, this time you can go onto the Girl Scout website, find your local troop, and help support them if you don't have a Girl Scout in your life. Yes. Stop by, leave a review, follow us on social media. We hope to see you next week. This Th has been Steve. This is Megan. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.